today on The Breakdown. It's two poker icons, two poker deities, two giants of the game. Phil Helmuth, Antonio Esfandiari, $100,000 heads-up match. They both bought in with this much money. They've been going at it for an hour and a half. Antonio's been pushing, pushing, pushing on Phil. But Phil's done with getting pushed around. Phil's decided it's time for him to start blowing down some houses, wolf style. It was a wolf, right, that blew down the houses with the three little pigs? It's hard to remember. I'm an old person now. Was it not the wolf? Grant's making a face. It was a wolf. The big bad wolf? No, that was, that was somebody else, maybe. Who knows? Anyway, it was some animal. <laughs> anyway, Phil's sick of getting pushed around, and he's decided he's going to start pushing back and putting the pressure on Antonio. And that leads to this hand right here, which I would say is the hand of this heads-up match, which just took place, as we're recording this anyway, just a few days ago. It's... All of the poker world is even talking about. We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey, first time, no rehearsal. I say, what's your mind there, huh? Just like, yeah, we're walking down the road. Let's just take a little sidestep and see what's over here in the brain. The Big Bad Wolf is the one that. Ate the grandmother and got killed by, uh, what's her name? Not Cinderella, not Rumpelstiltskin. What's the Wonder one? Woman. Wonder Woman. <laughs> Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. That's the big bad wolf, right? No, it's some, it's some female. <laughs> Hansel and Gretel. You know what I'm talking about here? The big bad wolf is with Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood, that's it. So who blew down the pig's, uh, the pig's houses? I'll huff and I'll puff I and I'll blow your house down. Yeah, that, um, I think that was also the Big Bad Wolf. Is it the same Big Bad Wolf, or are there multiple Big Bad Wolves? You know, is the Big Bad Wolf like a brand, or is it the name of a particular wolf? I think it's one wolf, but nobody knows. Doesn't History big, has not borne that out. Doesn't the Big Bad Wolf die at the end of both of the episodes, though? I, episodes, the stories. <laughs> I think he dies season at the two, end episode of both six? Of them. Season two, episode six <laughs> is the resurrection episode. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be like The Simpsons where nothing, nothing's ever in continuity and they don't pretend it is kind of a thing, you know. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't think that wolf should, the same wolf should be able to die twice. I think the Grimm brothers are uh, kind of phoning it in a little bit on the Big Bad Wolf thing then. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just telling them. I'm just I can't believe the, I can't believe that even, even if you have that opinion <laughs> about the noble... Brothers Grimm. Even if you have that opinion, how can you say that? Like you know the consequences of that. What are the? I, mean, I, I guess I don't because they don't occur to me. Except that uh, I'll get pat on the back for telling the truth. You you get C A N C E L L E D, bro. Oh. Cancelled. <laughs> wow, nice spelling. Thanks. You're a little worried about it, huh? The two L's. Did that throw you off? Yeah, it was for a second. Yeah, no, it's it's scary. Is it one L or two? Can I, I give you a word and see if you can spell it real quick? I mean, Let's go make for you look it. like I'm a fool. Terrible at spelling, so go for it. Ubiquitous starts with a U. U B B I Q U I T I O U S. Ubiquitous. I have too many eyes. I may have had too many eyes. I think I think it's I T O U S. No, no second I after the. Oh, ubiquitous. Yeah, that makes sense. I still, I think I did very well. No, that was pretty good. I think I'm not actually sure how that word is spelled, but I think that's 
I think that's all right. All right. Here's one more word and then we'll move on. Okay. This was actually the winning word in in, in an actual, like, you know, script spelling bee competition, but I would have gotten this. And I think a lot of the world would have got it. Let's see if you would have got it. The word is luge. Luge? L U G E. No, you're supposed to say, can I, what's the origin? Can I have it in a sentence? (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry. It's it's L U G E, right? Well, you didn't even do it right. You just have to say luge. L-U-G-E. Luge. I didn't... You just told me to spell it. You didn't tell me to do it in the style of a spelling competition. I just... Did I not present it to you with the voice in, in the style of a spelling competition? I wasn't on board with that whole thing. <laughs> well, I I never like- I never agreed to do a bit about that where we were doing it in the style of a spelling competition. So it's, it's basically half a bit about that. And the other half is me spelling a word. Your eyes agreed to it. Wow. Dangerous to say. <laughs> I know. I'm really treading, <laughs> treading into some deep waters today. First the Brothers Grimm thing and now this. Anyway. Oh, this one actually, though. Actually, though. You're, you're now a problematic person and you will get canceled. And that's just how life goes sometimes. Um, especially when you say the things that you say. <laughs> oh, I love you. I'm still around. I'm still here. I mean, are you, though? What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. I... I, I yeah, to you right now, it doesn't mean anything, but at 3 a.m., you're going to wake up and be like, oh, my God, I know what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, there's a, I think I saw this on Reddit or Twitter or something like that where someone said, you know, get, get like a, um, a, if you get a new phone number, before you tell anyone, just text people you know and just write like he knows or she knows and nothing else. He knows Period. Go. Period. And nothing else. And like, watch people freak out all around you, basically. They just... I have no idea what, how, like, there is genuinely nothing in my life that I think I can apply that to, so... Well, that's what you would say if you had a big secret, for sure. So, good job. (laughs) Right? Wow. I mean, would would you say and said, oh, yeah, no, I know exactly what that would be, and I'd I'd get it out, I'd get in a car right away and get on the highway and never never to be seen again? I mean, you wouldn't say that if you had... For example, kill the, you know, a bunch of school children if you had done that. That's a good point. Yeah. A good point and a good example, Jonathan. <laughs> and we're all proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. If you kneel, hey, di- if you kneel diamonded your way, you know, <laughs> through life, killing kids. Oh, yeah. Classic <laughs> SNL. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Okay. Let's okay. talk about the hand. All right. Because it is legends of the game. Two players that... We haven't done a breakdown on for a little while, at least, although we've done many over the years, yeah. uh, both Antonio Esfandiari and Phil Helmuth, I believe, have playlists on our YouTube channel. Maybe Esfandiari doesn't. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think he does. We've, we've done quite a few hands of his. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we've done plenty of Phil. Phil, not our biggest fan. Us, not typically Phil's biggest fan. Correct. That's just the way life goes. Yeah. Uh, both in terms of, of how he plays some of these hands, although we admit he is a very good player and, and does a lot of things right in large tournament fields. Okay. Um, okay. Let me. I got to push back for a quarter of a second. We admit he's a very good player. What is our definition of very good player then? How about this? Phil is capable of making money over time playing uh, large tournament fields because he's good at manipulating amateurs into doing what he wants them to. Yes. Okay. And I, that is enough to be considered a good poker player in my mind because that's he's fine. making money. Okay. But yeah. when you say, I just often when we talk about players being very good, we're talking about the very best players in the world. And I don't think it's reasonable to count Phil among those players anymore. Right. There was probably a point okay. when he was younger. I'm sure you agree with that. Right. I'm sure most of the listeners, yeah. most of the listeners agree with that too. 
that there's no world, there's no reasonable world where he's like I'm in the top 50 on anyone's list of anything. You know, maybe you could say large field, you know, full of fish tournaments, maybe he's a top 50 player in the world, but that's not really a category. You know, it's like tournament poker, NL, no limit hold'em tournament poker versus some other tournament poker, whatever, cash. He's, not, he's in no one's top 50 on any of that stuff, right? That's okay, but I'm, neither are we. But, I mean, he's Phil Hellmuth. He does have 15 I don't know, it's bracelets. An interesting, it's an interesting thing to think about, actually, because, yeah. like, you consider the main event, for example, which is the ultimate fishy MTT, right, with, with, yeah. with a lot of good players in it. But, like, there is so much dead money in that thing. It's crazy. Yeah. And the structure is really good, so it benefits the players who know what they're doing. Uh, it's, a, it's a whirlwind of joy. Uh, but, like... Who is more plus EV in the main event? Like, who, who has a higher expected value in the main event? Like, Phil Hamuth or Christoph Vogelsang? And I know the easy knee-jerk reaction is Christoph Vogelsang because he's clearly better at the high-level elements of, of tournament poker. But does Phil just squeeze a ton more value out of the amateurs over time? Does that make a big enough difference? Because he's capable of deviating from strategies that are super GTO in a more real way. Uh, it's hard to know. Um, the, one of the problems with the main event versus uh, like the $1,500 buy-ins is that the main event structure stays good as opposed to the $1,500 yeah. buy-ins where they often, it often like speeds up pretty significantly in terms of the blinds and stuff like that. People have to play faster for the most part compared to the main anyway. I um, mean, the structures have changed slightly over the years, but from my recollection and from my experience, like final tabling a $1,500 event, you usually... I think the average stack is at least 35 to 40 bigs, which is not near the main event, but it's sure. still quite good. Sure, sure. So, but it's A, it's not near the main event, and two, you do it in four or five days versus you know seven to nine days, right? Um, so yeah. what I'm saying is the last 30 players in the main event field these days are way tougher, I would say, than the last 30 players in your average 1,500 field. Like the main yeah. event, so, so we haven't seen Phil make a big main event run in a long time. Now, admittedly, it's not a big sample size, so it's not entirely fair to say this, but I wonder if like he's actually not going to do great in the main event. He he might be able to cash a lot in the main event and go reasonably deep, but like they, you know, getting to the final table is not easy, the way it might have been for him twenty years ago, and the way even in a fifteen hundred, it's I think it's going to be easier because there's just going to be more um, weaker spots, more weak spots. You know, every so often we'll see a 1500 final table and we'll just be kind of shocked at some of the play. Not usually there's at least a few really good players, but there often isn't a full table of, of really good players, you know? Okay. Then maybe the main events, the wrong yeah. example. Okay. Just change it to the monster stack, the $1,500 monster. Stack. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, it's possible if you were doing a draft, he would be, where would he be? If you're doing a draft for like, just like who's, you know, you and I are doing a draft right now, and it's whoever cashes for the most in the fifteen hundred, the next fifteen hundred monster stack. If we, how about if we somehow had the ability to run it a thousand times okay. and like know the results? Fair enough. You know, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He might be. He might be a top pick in that scenario. Well, when you say a top pick, you mean like a top ten pick, or do you mean a top five pick? You I don't know. There's a lot of guys. Pick? There's a lot mean? of. Uh, there's a lot of players who I think are, are you know, like Vogelsang is an extreme example of like. GTO, yeah. non-deviation. But I think my, my first pick might be somebody like Joe McKeehan, mm-hmm. somebody like that, mm-hmm. who's like not one of the top elite minds of poker, although he's very, very good, but is like really capable in these big fields and clearly knows what he's doing and has more, I think, like uh, high-end chops than Phil probably does. Hmm. 
I was actually thinking a guy like Mike McDonald is probably pretty good too. He's definitely shown yeah. an ability to like beat really big fields multiple times. Um, so he's comfortable in those things. He's got all, you know, he's got lots of live experience. He's intimidating. He's friendly. He does like that. All that kind of stuff helps a little bit, I think, in these events too. Like Phil's whininess helps him actually, though, in fairness to Phil. Yeah. I feel like Phil, for me, still wouldn't be like, I don't think I would take him in the top 20, even in, even in this scenario. I don't think. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I might, I might take a guy like, uh, I think I might be getting his name wrong, but maybe I'm getting it right. Mm-hmm. I might take a guy like Maurice Hawkins above him. You really? Know, guy who, uh, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. That's his name. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I would take Phil over Maurice Hawkins. I feel like Maurice Hawkins is liable to blow up and lose his mind in ways that Phil is less likely to uh, in one of these events. Yeah, maybe. But who knows? In the end, who knows? I, I mean, admittedly, this is the one spot where Phil like, still stands tall. But like, like coming into this, so like they, there's a point during this um, heads-up match where him and Antonio start really jawing at each other pretty intensely. And uh, Phil starts saying, like, you're playing so bad. You do everything wrong. He's saying stuff like that to Antonio after Antonio wins that hand. And Antonio says, Phil, I will play you literally every day for as long as you want. We can play heads-up every single day. I'm happy to do it. And Phil says, I've challenged you before. And Antonio says, let's start right now. As of tomorrow, let's play every day. And Phil like keeps coming back, but Antonio just keeps saying, let's go. Let's, and then Phil eventually backs down. Um, so this is, this is not a format that necessarily is great for Phil, ultimately, right? You would think, right? Although he did win yeah. the King of Hill, the Hill, and now, I mean, he's deciding to play this. It's a $100,000 buy-in. I'm pretty sure it's most of his money. I don't know how much of it. Maybe all of his money, even. Like 100 k maybe something he can just do. It's interesting that he's even choosing to do this. Well, I mean, it's the only live poker going right now, yeah. and it's like it's a way to really like Phil's all about his brand, right? And this is a brand elevator for sure. It's possible also that Poker Go, whoever is paying some of their buy-in to get these like two yeah. big names to start with, they want a big splash. I don't know if they need to do that or not, but it wouldn't shock me if they're like, "We'll pay for forty k of it or something like that, guys." Like for each of you, yeah, for the first one. Anyway. Well, let's uh, let's let's get to the hand yeah. anyway. Um, let's do it. These and I think it's well embodied by the anecdote you just said about their conversation between Phil and Antonio. These guys have never really liked each other, which is kind of fun about it too. I mean, like they always seem to say the right things about like, yeah, actually we like each other off the felt. I don't know if that's true. There feel it feels like there's some real vitriol there. I don't know. That's it's always kind of felt that way to me. I mean, I think it's just that Phil has thinks everyone is dumber than he is, and Antonio like calls him out on that, and so Phil doesn't like that, but. I mean, Antonio is, like, ultimately very, like, friendly with everyone. I think Antonio thinks he's just, like, fucking around, teasing with Phil as much as anything, like, you know, poking the bear a little bit. and doesn't, th- doesn't take it as emotionally or as intensely as Phil does. Phil takes this stuff super seriously, it seems. No, I, I certainly agree with that, but I also think it's possible that Antonio doesn't actually like Phil or respect him. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't think Phil is any good, pretty sure. Yeah. And I'm sure he, uh, he doesn't choose to spend time with Phil Helmuth, like, he, like, we know the guys he runs with. You know, that Phil's not, Phil doesn't run with any of those dudes, right? The only time Phil's around is yeah. when he's playing poker with these guys because he's the fish in the game as far as these guys are concerned, right? That's, that's, yeah, that's I his think function. So. Phil, no one would want to hang out with Phil, I don't think. Like, Phil Hummuth, like, honestly, like, that would be horrible. <laughs> it seemed like it. Well, him and Mattisau, I think, hang out. They what might. A fun time. They might. But that would be horrible, too. Like, any combination of Phil and Mike, one of them, both of them, it doesn't matter. Them and other people, it would be horrible. Yeah, I'm not interested in that, that's yeah. for sure. 
Damn, we're just calling anyway. people out today, huh? We're just going for it. Who cares? What happened? It's, they can never find us. <laughs> That's right. Phil Helmuth, who threatened to sue us once. And Mike Matasau, who apparently is capable of violence, or at least threatening violence. Yeah, but so is Stan Negreanu. Threatening well, violence. Well, he might find us. He might find us. He's smarter than Mike. He might actually find yeah, us. Yeah, he is definitely smarter than Mike. But anyway, let's get to the hands. <laughs> oh, <my> okay. God. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun discussion. No, no, it's anyway, a good discussion. This hand was suggested on Twitter by Alex Trembath, classic suggester. Yeah. Max Sawyer, another classic. And Leas, who uh, I think this is the first suggestion I've seen from Leas, L-I-A-S. So good company to be in, Leas. Yeah, for sure. Nice job. Uh, so, yeah, we have been playing for an hour and a half. This is a 100K sit-and-go. So, like, there's no rebuying or anything. It's not a cash game. It's a sit-and-go with 100K uh, at stake for each player. And Antonio's been leaning on Phil, as you said. He was pushing Phil. Yeah. He's got about 450K in front of him. They started with 300K each, so Phil's got about 150K in front of him. And is, you know, starting to get in a little trouble. And, of course, the blinds go up over time. Antonio's going to be able to lean a little bit more, getting to a critical point. Uh, at 2K, 4K blinds, so Phil's the effective stack with about 40 bigs. Still maneuverable, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said Antonio had been raising every button that you noticed because yeah. you watched this whole thing. But this time he limps with King Deuce off. What do you think that's about? Maybe it's because the uh, the blinds have gone up recently, and with 40 blinds, he thinks Phil's going to start three-betting him a little bit. Phil basically like three-bet him like twice the entire preflop the entire time. So maybe Antonio's like feels like Phil's going to start doing that a little bit more, and so this is this is like a hand that is like not good enough to do anything with if you get re-raised. I mean that's true for a lot of hands though. Yeah, um, he can call a raise with it maybe, so he's a little more apt to. Uh, it's got some showdown value, so he feels a little more comfortable limping with it. I don't know. I'm really I was surprised when when you said that he limped this hand because I would, I was like no he raised every hand, but turns out. This is, I think this is literally the second hand in the entire match that he doesn't raise on the button, I think. Well, unless, uh, unless Poker Go got the graphics wrong, he did limp. No, I, I actually saw the chips like even. I saw the chips. They definitely, he definitely limped. All right. Well, that's what Antonio does. King of clubs, deuce of diamonds. Phil's in the big blind with jack four off. Jack of spades, four of clubs. He checks. Sure. Pretty standard so far. Yeah. 8K in the pot. There's no ante, thankfully, because that would be brutal. Heads up. For yeah. a heads-up match. No, no reason to do that. The blinds go up every 20 yeah. minutes anyway. Like, they're fine. The flop is quite a good one for Antonio. It's the king of diamonds, four of hearts, and ten of clubs. So Antonio flops top pair, bottom kicker. Phil flops bottom pair with a jack kicker. Mm-hmm. Phil checks. Antonio bets 4K. I'm in bet. Not much to talk about there, right? It's half the pot. It's the, mo- the smallest amount you can bet. You have top pair or sure. whatever. It's good. All right, here's where it gets interesting. And it's not so unexpected coming from a guy like Phil, but he's going to go ahead and take that bottom pair and raise to 9K. This is strange yeah. on a lot of levels, um, but mostly strange because of the moment in poker history we're in, and you feel like you never see anything like this. But that's the type of thing Phil Helmuth does, and has always kind of done stuff like this. So yeah. what, what is, what's going on? What is Phil's intent? What does he think is good about doing this? Well... Okay, first of all, Antonio had been raising basically every button and then betting almost every flop. So Phil had done, a, like, and Phil sometimes would check calls, often would check fold, and then when he had a piece, would almost always check race, if he had any pair at all. And Antonio usually had a better hand and would call, like call Phil's check raises some really high percentage of the time. And uh, 
So just to give everyone some context, what is Phil doing? I think he's trying to punish Antonio for betting the flop too often. Uh, is it good? I don't think it's that good <laughs> for the most part. I kind of like it a little bit better maybe with bottom pair than with some of the top pair hands at least because bottom pair were more apt to get bluffed later on in the hand. Uh, we can also deny a little more equity with that than if we have a hand like top pair. But Phil did this with bottom pair, middle pair, and top pair. So he was indiscriminate. But if we're going to do it, like I would be more apt to want to do it with, with, a, with a hand like bottom pair. The thing that's weird about it, of course, is it's turning it into, almost into a bluff here, which I don't know why we need to do that. I would, be, I would really never occur to me to raise, especially bottom or middle pair against a guy like Antonio. I would just call and let him keep firing away and hang on sometimes. That would be my plan. Yeah, I I would have the same plan, and I kind of disagree about the top pair thing. I think I'd rather raise top pair than bottom pair because we can actually get value for more well, hands yeah. a lot more easily. By like, if we had king nine here, we would definitely get called by Antonio's hand, but also we could get called by tens and fours, and yep. like that's nice. That is nice. So, and and when your head's up and you're playing every hand mostly, and there's like a tons of different flops, and you have, you have it's hard to flop two pair or better. I think it's okay to expand your check raising value range. And top pair is definitely a better thing to do that with than bottom pair. <laughs> it's hard to argue that. I mean, I'm thinking the bottom pair check raise is really a den- an equity denial raise, though. It's not a value raise when you're doing it, right? Yeah. You're not hoping to get called by a, by a hand that you're beating almost ever when Phil ra- Phil's right. trying to get called by ace high maybe once in a while. So, so there, there's different purposes going on. I guess if you're trying to deny equity, I don't know really why we're doing it with bottom pair either, but I, ge- I guess I sort of get it. Top pair is definitely the value play. Top, like you wouldn't do it for value with middle pair or bottom pair almost ever, I think. I guess you don't once right. in a while with middle pair, but it feels really tough to get value with a hand middle yeah. pair often, right? Right. Uh, and you said the Phil had been doing this a lot, by the way. Any connection yeah. with the board, he would race. So Not 100% of the time, but mostly he would race, yeah. All right, so bear with me. I know it's a stupid question, but do you think Antonio should consider three betting? Right now? With top pair, Yeah. I don't, because of Phil's yeah. frequencies. I, I really don't think he should. Um, and the reason why is because Antonio has ex- almost exactly the hand that is going to fold out worse and get called by better. Like, Antonio hasn't been three-betting almost any of these raises. If he does now, like, middle pair is probably going to fold, bottom pair is probably going to fold, a good top pair is not, you know. Um, so it just, I, I think it would be a mistake to three-bet this hand in this spot. Maybe some other spots... When he gets ra- check raised, a three bet could really make sense. But this one especially feels like, do you really want to bloat the pot here when we have a hand, we're in position, we can keep make sure bets still go in later anyway? I don't know. I uh, what, if, what if Antonio had king-queen? Would you consider a three bet because could, of Phil's frequency yeah. of check raising? We could at least consider it. Uh, We should probably consider it, actually. What's the board here? It's King 10-4, King 10, 4. Rainbow. So you don't think you're... I mean, there aren't that many hands we're really losing to, right? We're losing, if we have King-Queen, it's King 10, 4-10... Oh, any 4-10, because we didn't raise, though. Yeah. So any two pairs yeah. possible. Um, you figure we're almost never up against a set. I guess Phil could have pocket force and not raise that pre. He's almost always going to raise Kings or 10s. Almost always. He's Phil. He does some trappy stuff, but... Figure if Antonio Limps, he's going to raise a lot. Uh, Just think about it this way. Yeah. Um, if if Phil is raising, let's give it a number, 75% of the time he connects with the board at all? Does that sure. seem accurate? I think that actually does seem accurate. He did it a lot. Okay. Then think about the combinatorial 
bad weight to, to Phil's decision here where he has so many lone fours and lone tens and lone kings versus two pairs. Mm-hmm. Like with King Queen, Antonio is absolutely obliterating the range. And what's Phil supposed to do with like a reasonable 10? Is he supposed to just throw it away? I mean, maybe. I think Phil will throw away a reasonable 10. I think what he's supposed to do and what he's going to do are really different. My guess is Phil's going to tighten up extremely against a three bet here. And I would really worry about getting value. I think it probably well, plays better what if as... I think what if it, it becomes an overall thing, though, that Antonio does frequently? Like, well, I'm saying... Phil's, if, if we're balancing... Phil's doing this all the time. If we're, I think this is, first of all, a really good argument for bluffing a lot, bluff three-betting a fair amount. Um, yeah. And then if we're doing that, then we need to find some value, and then maybe we have to balance it with king-queen. But Antonio wasn't doing any of that. So to suddenly raise a hand like king-queen without this greater strategy, I think is problematic in, that, in terms of getting value. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't generally recommend it to anybody if somebody told me about two players playing heads up and I didn't know anything about the players. And they're like, yeah, I think three-betting king-queen is the right play here. Yeah. I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? But, you know, I we're mean, talking the, about the, Phil and we're talking about weird frequencies. Also, the truth is Phil has 40 blinds to start the hand. So, like, if we even get it in with... We can get it in with king-queen and it should be okay, right? Like, it's not that bad. We're heads up with, with top pair, really good kicker. And a back and a back door, even straight draw, like... It's okay to get it in there. Now, it's unlikely it's going to be good if we get it in, admittedly. Yeah, but seems it seems very unlikely. But, you know, we could maybe we could be up against uh, Queen Jack sometimes, although we'd block that if we had a queen in our hand. Maybe some weird gut shots. Maybe Phil loses his mind with, like, a slightly worse, worse king once in a while. Uh, I'd be worried we're up against two pair, though, like, a huge amount of the time <laughs> if we actually got it in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and so, to be clear, I would never, again, I would never advocate for a three bet with one pair. Mm-hmm. Most of the time for value ever, but it's just, it sounds like Phil is just check raising a ton. Yeah. With he, he is. Uh, so, what's your plan with King Queen, though? So, we three bet to fold? I think if it's the first time we've three bet and Phil four bets us, yeah, I think we can fold yeah, pretty I agree. comfortably. I agree with that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's just added. I understand why you're saying all this. I think it adds just like an unnecessary layer of complexity where Phil plays relatively face up most of the time. So like giving him a chance to do that, like one thing that I saw over and over and over again is, is he would check raise the flop with bottom pair, with middle pair, with a bad top pair, get called and shut down right away, like check the turn. And then Antonio would often bet and Phil would call, but like Phil would not keep putting pressure on anything like that. Like if he didn't have a very strong hand, he would almost never bet the turn. Almost never. I think like once or twice in like two and a half hours did he actually bet the turn in that spot after check raising and getting called and not really having a, a very good hand. So like he's going to play that face up. Why not just let him do that when we're in position? You know, I think that's probably even more profitable than coming up with like cool, cool three betting plans, you know? Yeah, I agree. Just wanted to explore. It's a good thing to ask. It's a really good thing to ask. And there probably is a lot of opponents where three betting a hand like King Queen can really work, you know? For, for lots of reasons, to deny equity as well as hopefully get real value. Anyway, Antonio doesn't have king-queen, just to be clear. He has king-deuce on the yeah. king-4-10 board. And uh, Phil is raised to 9K, which is just 5K more than Antonio's min bet. And uh, Antonio's going to call, which is the standard play. Yeah. Phil has jack-4 off, so he's got bottom pair. Antonio's got top pair. Yeah. And the standard human play would be to use the link in the description to sign up for Nitrogen Sports. Because of, you know, all the things, Jonathan. What are some of the things? Well, there's a bunch of things that humans do that are standard. They, they drink, they eat, they poop. I'm saying it. I'm truth-telling right now. They pee, they fought, they brush their teeth so once in a while. 
I feel like every nitrogen ad, you talk about something that probably any advertiser would not be thrilled about yeah. being part of their ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm testing the, the boundaries here. <laughs> you know, I'm see, I'm <laughs> trying to see just just where the where the limits are at this point because I'm unclear. Okay, this is what you do, right? You gotta you gotta know. I gotta know where the line is. Maybe the line is far away still. Maybe I can say way worse stuff than this. <laughs> You're a line seeker, huh? Yeah. Very well, if you so. seek lines, by the way, Nitrogen has sports betting. Yeah, they yeah, do. That's a transition for you right there. But, of course, they have poker, which is what we're most interested in. But, of course, if you like sports betting, Nitrogen is a great place to do it. Everyone Casino likes. games, yeah, great place to do it. If you use the link in the description, you get access to our Elite Tournament, mm. which is super cool and awesome. It's, it happens at the end of every month. It's, there's a 1,000 buy-ins guaranteed. They cap it at 300 players, so it's a guaranteed profitable decision to enter the tournament. And by the way, if you bink it or you hit a big sports bet or something, you get your money out fast. Nitrogen is Bitcoin only, and they don't mess around with your money. They give it to you in 90 minutes once you request withdrawal. That is industry-leading, Jonathan. It is good stuff. It is great stuff, Grant. It's a wonderful site. These guys are above board in every way. We've been working with them for three years now or so. Uh, Never had an issue with them. Players love them. You, if you haven't gotten in there, you got to check it out. Use the link in the description of this podcast to sign up so you get access to all the cool stuff. It's, it's a no-brainer, really. The brain can be off, and you can do it. Yeah. That's, you, that's how no-brainer it is. Yeah. You could be really, you could be really impaired. <laughs> <laughs> still, uh, still pull this one off. Anyway, let's see if uh, Phil can pull off whatever his weird plan is here. Yeah, he's going to have a plan. Uh, he's got the Jack 4. <laughs> was that sarcastic? Like, yeah, he has a plan. <laughs> sure. No, no. Is that what you... Yes. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I was just sort of saying it because it sounded like it was part of the flow of <laughs> the conversation. I was just talking because I thought people wanted me to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it is a podcast. People in theory, you look at me sometimes if I don't say anything. So, you know, I was trying to say something. But no, it was just filler. It was just filler. Let's move on. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> King Ten Four Rainbow Board. Uh, we've got his fun area with King Deuce off, and Phil as a check raiser with Jack Four off. Mm. The turn is the Queen of Diamonds brings a second diamond. Antonio still with top pair. Phil now has an open ender to go along with his bottom pair. Yeah, should Phil bet again? Yes, yes. To do, and this is to fold out tens and stuff like that. Mm. F- fold out like s- some weird ace highs, some uh, pocket pairs that are under the ten to fill to fill up fold out better fours, uh, but mostly to attack tens. I think we're really attacking tens here, like 10-8 and stuff okay. like that, 10-7. We don't expect a king to fold yet, it's, at least. It seems unlikely to get a king to fold right now. Yeah, but we've just, we turned a good card for our equity, and what are we going to do? Check what? Check raise yeah. again? I, I mean, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I mean, okay, we could do that, too. I think we should take an aggressive action this street. How about that? I, I agree. I mean, blocking the straights is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Also, it would be nice if we were to get there on the river, if we could, you know, actually get some value for that, because it's going to be hard to on the river if, if a four, four card straight comes and, you know, it's maybe we get a little value, but it's better if we put in aggressive action here, yeah. generate some fold equity, build a pop for if we get there. Any card that comes like a four pairing, a jack, an ace or a nine are all going to scare Antonio for sure. All of them at this point. So... We should be betting now before the scare cards come. We usually don't have the best hand, but we have some fold equity against some better hands. That's great, too. 
And if we're going to check call anyway, if, if the plan is to check call, we should bet. Now, if the plan is to check raise, check, checking's fine. Like, but aggressive action seems like the play. Get some fold equity here. Well, we'll never know yeah. if Phil wanted to check raise because he checks. And Antonio checks back. Yeah. Discuss. <laughs> it's interesting. So, first of all, this is the pattern that I, I told you we've seen over and over again in this match so far. Is Phil check raises the flop with one pair and then checks the turn repeatedly. Uh, I'm surprised that Antonio checks back top pair, but he does have no kicker to go with it. And I think that's part of what's going on here. Um, and also, he wants to not lose Phil on this turn. Like, he believes if he bets, he's often going to either be betting into a better hand or lose Phil. And there's probably not a lot of in-between. I can think of a hand or two, though, that Phil maybe has. Like, Phil could have turned a queen here, right? He could have queen yeah, yeah. nine any, and queen any jack. Gutshot, yeah, any gut shot with a queen or an open-ender with a queen. We might think that queen jack isn't likely because Phil didn't raise pre. It's possible, but it's, but it's Phil. He does a lot of limping. He was actually limping yeah. the button almost every hand for a long, long time in this as well. So whatever his hand was, even with monsters. So Phil can have Queen Jack more than almost anyone can have it, for sure, in this spot, I think. Um, so with all that in mind, I think I, as Antonio, would want to bet here with the plan of often checking back the river if Phil calls again. But this way we get to charge him. If we get check raised again, probably we have to fold. That's okay. So actually, as we're setting up the plan, I think Phil should be looking to check raise if he checks. I think Antonio should probably bet to fold to a check raise. It's going to work out really well for Phil if everyone does what I'm saying. But... Um, but I can understand Antonio checking also to bluff catch or, or weaken his range so he can get more value on the river. Looks like Antonio has a lot of tens here when he checks, right? Not any kings. It seems like it. So yeah. that's, there's some value there. Not a lot, but a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, does go check, check. And the river is the king of spades. Well, hello. Beautiful. Was that, is that Kermit? No. Kermit is more Who like is this. That's the same. Yeah. That's yeah, definitely same the voice. same. Same voice. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an inner. It was an inner sort of emotional. Place. It was your. It was about your intention <laughs> and about like what you really desire in life. Look, it's different. Let the actor act, Grant. The actor must be allowed to act. So let me be clear. I was inhibiting your your acting. Yeah. By pointing out that you're. <laughs> unknown person voice is the same as your Kermit voice. So you're doing it again. I'm just saying to you, the actor... I'm suppressing, I'm, I'm suppressing your acting? How? The actor must be allowed to express. Do you see? Do you I don't see? see how I'm inhibited. I don't see how I'm inhibiting your expression. Even your questioning of the situation inhibits me, sir. Good sir. You're very fragile. You're a very fragile The actor being, must be... <laughs> Permit it <laughs> to stretch and breathe, sir. Are you trying to, are you playing a role called like most insufferable person imaginable? <laughs> is that what you're doing? I hope so. The sir thing is really, is really part of it. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. I have the honor to be your obedient servant, sir. You know. Are you also the type of person who like tweets at a, a a Twitter account is like, you have won the internet today, sir. Do you do, you do that? <laughs> I've never done that. I'm happy to That's say. That's good. I'm happy. But, you know, I do once in a while. I actually yesterday tweeted at someone who uh, wrote something that I thought was just a lie. And I said, that isn't true. The math doesn't check out because of this. And then they actually wrote me back and said, it does. And I'll show you why. But I have to, I understand why you said that. Here's the part where it's, here's the, mis, here's the miscommunication. And I'll, I'll prove it to you next month. I was like, okay. 
It was actually a very friendly thing. Good, sir. Maybe you could learn from that, sir. <laughs> Let the actor act, sir. Do you stop the badger from being a badger? <laughs> Do you stop the tree How? from growing, sir? How could... I have questions. How... How do you stop a badger from being a badger? Do you stop photosynthesis from photosynthesizing? Good sir. I, I'm still I'm still on the badger. So do you I think let's 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 play this one out. Yeah, I okay. think if you want to stop a badger from being a badger, yeah. what you gotta do, you gotta take it as, like as soon as it's born, and you have to raise it as something that's not a badger. That's one right? way. You you have like a cat raise it yeah. so that it thinks it's a cat. Or something like that. That's one way. And there's another way, too, but that's a really effective way. The other way is just to ruin its confidence. You know, like, let it grow up as a badger and then just shower it with, like, bullying and insults until it really doesn't feel like a badger anymore. And you're, now, you're no longer allowing the badger to So you're saying badge. that badgers, badgers are inherently confident and being... A lack of confidence is mutually exclusive from badgerdom. Yeah, um, is what you're saying. I would say that, yes. <laughs> like, look at yourself. You're, you may not be confident in many things, good sir, but as a hu- are you confident in your humanity that you are indeed a human? Of course, sir. Of course you are. Well, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, what is the nature of reality? And is my consciousness truly attached to my ask, body, man? I didn't ask that. But once what I'm again, saying is there's some ambiguity there. I'm you saying are bulldozing my acting, sir. My expression. You see? Wait a second. Yeah. Is this a really long way of you telling me that I was actually a badger that was captured by humans and raised by humans. I, I've, and, I've ruined your confidence now, haven't I? See? I'm I a just badger. I see. You no longer are sure if you're a human, right? You're no, I'm no longer allowing the human to be a human because I've ruined your confidence. That's how you do it with the badger. Same thing. No, I'm actually very confident that I am a badger. Well, so. that worked. But because you're no longer confident that you're a human, right? It worked. See? Ruin confidence. This is a big win. This is a poker podcast. This is a I poker podcast. I don't even podcast. know how we did this one. What did, what did I say? <laughs> that I said something in that voice. Oh, I did that one voice. You asked me if it was Kermit, and then here we are, seven minutes. Later. We don't need to do an autopsy, Lovey. Let's just move <laughs> I along. I just like to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good, sir. Anyway, that was for that was for the uh, the real the true fans. People really love the report. People are that here for the forever. report, not the poker. That's for everybody. Everybody yeah. should enjoy that. I enjoy that. If they don't, they should be transformed into a badger. Okay. So the river is the king of spades. Oh, my God. Antonio yes. has trip kings with no kicker. Yeah. The board re- reads king, 10, 4, queen, king with two diamonds on the turn, but no flush on the river. Phil is bottom pair with jack four. He checks. Antonio okay. needs to go for value after Phil checks twice, right? He has trips, obviously. 100%. Oh, just opening a call by a 10, mostly. Sometimes a four, maybe, if Phil's check raising all these types of hands. And that queen we were talking about, that pesky queen yeah. is going to call for sure. All right. Antonio bets 19K. Yep. For, quick question. Can Phil beat... Mu- like, is... Can you find a hand that Antonio plays this way that Phil beats? Great question. And I think the answer is no at this point. If Antonio was calling with ace high on the flop, you figure he would bluff the turn, not check back and bluff the river, right? Almost yeah. ever. And, or, or feel no need to bluff the river. He'd either go check, check, or bet the turn almost always. Not take this line. It feels very unlikely. Um... I don't know that there's a hand that Phil can beat right now. Okay. So calling's out of the question as far as a good play, right? I, I think so. I think calling is a huge mistake. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I do. I could I could see Antonio maybe even betting a good queen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At this point. Yeah. Absolutely. So 
I think Antonio and, could bet ace ten here if it went if when Phil checks turn and river. I think he might bet ace ten. It gets a little thin because of those gut shots and open-enders that Phil could have on the flop. Yeah. He's usually going to bet that river, though, with a queen himself, usually, once we check back the turn. You'd think. But anyway, but anyway, this is like, this is the point. So go on. All right. So Antonio does bet. He bets 19K. All right. So Phil, to his credit, is not going to call. Yes. that much. Good um, job. Is this a good bluffing combo for Phil? The jack four. Well... Let's see. It does one thing well, and that it does have the jack. And it has the four. I guess it, it does block some things, right? It blocks pocket fours, which is a hand Phil could have. It blocks yeah. jack nine, which is a hand I guess Phil could have. I would expect those hands to bet the turn almost always. That's the problem with this story. Well, that's a little... You're, you're kind of pulling in two different directions with what you're saying there, uh-huh. and that you're, you're talking about what Phil's repping, but also what he blocks, which are, are slightly different things, right? Because yes. blocking is more about denying your you're opponent right. from having it. You know what? Um, you're completely right. Those are different things. My bad. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Okay. He blocks a straight. He blocks some full houses. That's pretty good. So this is, yeah, this I mean, is one of the better bluffing combos. Yes. It is. I think it actually is. Like Jack 10 and Jack 4 might be the best bluffing combos that Phil has available to him. The thing is, Jack-10 might be good here. It might be good. It's, Against what? Yeah, you're right. It'd have to be a bluff, and what bluffs isn't. You're right. You know what? Yeah. We were saying Ace-10 is like... I was saying Ace-10 is probably the very bottom of Antonio's value. All right, you know what? Well said. I agree with you. Against what? So I do think, actually, this is one of the two best types of hands as a bluffing combo. Jack-4 and Jack-10, I think, are the two very best. Mm. Would you agree? Um, Jack-10, because it blocks a 10... So it blocks, it blocks two pairs... I mean, Antonio well, limped. Blocks like, Antonio limped after never having limped. I mean, he almost never. So, has but that, so you can't, you can't really assume that that means weakness if he's never as limped. Okay. And he decides to limp. All right, all I guess that's true. That's fair. You block, you block king ten. You block pocket tens. Those are two good things to block. Yeah, yeah. You block just queen like ten with, also, uh, actually, which is nice too. Just like with uh, Jack four, you block pocket fours and you block king four. So it's yeah, and you block the straights. So I think I think Jack four and Jack ten are equally good as bluffing combos, and I think they are probably the two best bluffing combos that Phil could have as played. Okay, fair enough. And I'm not sure if Phil comes to that conclusion in the same way that I did, but he does decide that it is a good time to bluff. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess he's. Pr- what do you think he's targeting? Because he does he does raise. He raises to seventy one k. Does he think he can fold out trip kings? No. Sometimes. No way. He's not taking a shot at Trip Kings here. He doesn't think Antonio has a king because Antonio checked the turn. He thinks he's attacking at best a queen and probably a 10, right? Yeah. I sub- and here, and let's, let's talk about the other piece of what you touched on earlier, the representation. Hmm. Now, it is Phil, and he plays weird, yeah. but he's doing a weird job of representing <laughs> a full house or a straight here, even though I know he has the right blockers for it. It's strange to play pocket fours this way or... King 10 or Jack 9 or Ace Jack. Like all the way throughout the hand, it's pretty strange to play any of those hands this way, right? Yeah. Which is mostly what he's repping, right? He's repping those hands. I mean, Jack 9 is the one which probably makes the most sense out of any of them, like for just the preflop alone. But uh, yeah, but yeah it's, uh, it's weird. It's really weird and a little hard to believe. He is Phil Helmuth. He does get super trappy at times. We've seen him be crazy trappy before with weird yep. checks. Um, we haven't really seen that so much in this uh, this uh, showdown so far. Like he sometimes limps the button when has like you know queens, but that's it. Like post flop, he's just 
usually careful in playing his hands. He's pocket controlly and very careful, but that's it. You know, he's not he's not like trying to. He's almost never like making weird plays like this. This would be really weird to do with a full house to play it this way instead of just betting the turn when you got your check raise called, like build a yeah. freaking pot. You know. Yeah, but I mean, I guess to Phil's credit. If anybody can show up with the really good hands with this line, Phil's one of those types of players who can. Yes, I because think so. because he does play funky and weird. I think so. Like I would believe it way more than uh, if like Tom Dwan check raised here or freaking uh, who's the guy Bryn Kenny. If Bryn Kenny check raised yeah. here, like Bryn Kenny just has a blocker, obviously, right? Like doesn't he just always have yeah. blockers here? Like he checks turn and checks river and check raises. It's like a hundred percent a blocker. <laughs> he would have bet the river with, with almost all his good hands, right? Yeah. So now, still, I would assume Phil's going to bet the river with almost all his good hands too. But comparatively, Phil can have it more than almost any other known or good player in this spot. I will yeah. say that. Yeah. So it's a little bit problematic still yeah. the story that he's telling. It is. I think the much better part of this bluff is the hand he chose to do it with. He chose a, a good combo. Yeah. Um, so now let's move on to the other decision, Antonio's, because Phil's raised to seventy-one k, which is pretty big over the nineteen k into twenty-six k bet. It's mm-hmm. a large. Large raise. Uh, so Antonio beats no value, right, with King Deuce? No way. Zero value, zero value for sure. Right. For sure. So then you have to ask yourself, like, does Phil, is Phil capable of having these bluffs? Because right. I don't know as much about Phil's game as Antonio does, but my perception would be, like, Phil's not the guy who's going to show up with, like, the correct blocker bluffs and have good ratios and stuff. Agreed. You know, I would, think, I would think he's too value heavy here, but maybe I would be wrong. Um, it's possible that he's not picking this hand because it's cool for blocking and he just like can't take it anymore and decided to do it here. And we sort of, he fell backward into it only because I didn't see him. I watched this whole match. I never saw him at any point use what I thought were good blockers to bluff with at any other point. And I've never seen him do it previously in my life either that I, that I, I'm trying to think back to the match. I don't think I saw him do it any other time with good blockers. So it's possibly just fell into it, but your point is still salient. Like I would assume he's very value heavy here too. If I was Antonio for sure. And, and to be clear, it's been an hour and a half into this. Phil has never raised, certainly never check raised the river up until now. Like it's, we're 90 minutes. He, and he's never done it. Even though the story is kind of weird, you'd still assume value heavy. I would. Would you? Yeah, I think I would. So would you fold with King Deuce then? Would you consider folding? I think we have to consider it because we can't beat any value at all and we think it's value heavy. Let's look at the price. It's 52K to win 116. So, you know, we have to be right not that often, right? Less than 25% of the time, right? Is that right? No. No. Less than 30, about 30% of the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, fine. Uh, (laughs) But still, like... So that's good. Like, he can actually be somewhat value-heavy. The question is, is he really value-heavy here? I would guess that the, if I was Antonio right now, I would assume he's, he's more, got more than 70% value because I haven't seen him do this. And knowing everything I know about him, he, the only time I see Phil Hubby really bluffing almost always is when he's lost his mind. You know, he gets tilty, and then just starts re-raising every hand pre-flop, and they're terrible hands, and he just he's, he's becomes an awful player, which we've seen him do multiple times in cash games and tournaments. But... As Antonio, we certainly haven't seen that here. Okay. Well, there's another factor to consider okay. uh, because it's a tournament format, and that is what are the outcomes of all, all, of, all of the potential outcomes, and what does that mean for the match? So yes. let's Good. start with Antonio calls, and he loses. Okay. So that gets them to about even stacks, right? Mm-hmm. 
thereabouts. Yeah. So that's okay in Antonio's mind. He probably feels like he has an edge at that point, and sure. it's like that's obviously a negative outcome, but it's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, option two is he folds. So Phil still has fewer chips than Antonio, but he's he's made up a little bit of ground. Antonio right? maintains a if, three to one advantage if Antonio folds here, which is significant. Okay. Yeah, it is significant. I mean, it's not a three to one advantage because it started at a three as a oh, three to one. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. But it's not too much worse. It's you're right. But he maintains a significant. Maybe it's three to two, but it's a significant advantage. Right. Okay. And the and the thing there is like if there's a cooler or anything, Antonio doesn't lose the match and he can knock Phil out in one hand. Yep. So that that is still important. Yep. Um, third outcome is Antonio calls and wins. Well, Phil's down to under seventy k then, and the blinds are at two k four k, and Antonio wins almost every time. He wins so, some huge percentage of the time. So maybe Antonio should call with, like, maybe he should allow himself to be wrong more than 70% of the time because of that outcome being so good. Like, when he calls and is right and is ahead. Because hmm. he, he can survive one the, the bad stuff happening and the good stuff is so good that... Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I'm not sure... If we think Phil is just too value-heavy, though, we should probably just fold anyway. It has to be pretty close for this to matter, I guess is what I'm saying, right? Right. If we, if we decide that we are, like, in the 70th percent of our distribution, okay, so 70th percentile of our distribution, then maybe we decide to call instead of fold. Right. Maybe even, right. like, 70 or 69 or 68, we might decide it to because, like, it's close enough and winning is such a big... If we, if we happen to be right, it's such a big deal. If we're wrong, yeah. it's okay. Maybe you're right. Um, but that's all. That's the only place where it should move the needles, right on the margins, I would think, something like that, right? It's an interesting sure. thing to bring yeah. up, uh, for sure. I mean, looking at it right now, we can see, boy, Antonio calls here. Oh, man, Phil's screwed. And Antonio's trip kings, it's going to be close. He doesn't have any kicker, but it's still got to be pretty close, right? He's got trip kings, their heads up. Like, I guess... Uh, it's getting more than two to one here. So let's, let's talk a little before we close this out quickly about Antonio's distribution and where he, where he okay. does fit um, of the hands that he's betting the river with. We think he's betting queen Jack and better. Does Absolutely. that, and you think for sure queen Jack and better. And you think maybe ACE 10 even. Yeah, I think it's queen Jack, queen nine, ACE 10 are the, the candidates for the bottom of his value range here. Okay. Let's be conservative with it and okay. say it's queen. It's queen Jack. Okay, fine. All right. So he's got queen Jack and then King Deuce. That's the next hand, distribution-wise. Yeah. Unless Antonio has ace-queen, which you wouldn't expect him to play this way, but maybe he could. Actually, there is a hand in between. There's uh, queen-10 and queen-4. Ah. Those are hands that are in between. That, so there's a few more, which he would, which no, would queen absolutely... Ten, no, queen-10 ten queen ten is not in between. It's, it's worse than queen-jack because the king is paired. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hey, great, great. Well then, let's let's go back to what you were saying. Just it's let possible the that it, let the actor breathe, sir. Uh, I guess it's possible Antonio could play his queen this way, but you really wouldn't expect it, especially preflop. But I mean, so, most of these hands that we're talking about, Antonio's really not going to limp. Even though we, I, I agree with you, we don't really know and all that stuff. But like, we kind of know it's pretty unlikely he's limping strong hands. Like since he's done it, he's limped twice the entire match. But anyway, but he, I guess he could. He could. So it's interesting because his distribution is like pretty monotone because all of the king king nine and lower, other than king four, are all the same yeah. hand on this board. So 
Well, it's all the same. Well, the thing is, King Nine and King Jack clearly are better to call with, right? Because you block the straights. Yeah. So you can maybe, maybe you like mandatory call with those hands. Yeah. I think so. You just have to. Uh, okay. And then what else? Okay. We have, what other hands do we have that are strong here besides a king? I mean, maybe we have some weirdly played straights or full houses, but it doesn't really feel like it. So unlikely. We'd be going for the kill if we had those hands, right? We would definitely bet the turn yeah. to try and make a big bet on the river. And Phil, like, check raises again. Phil has a real hand. He's just going to, like, be forced to put a lot of chips in. Phil often, when he check raised, did have a hand, like a pair, and wouldn't fold to turn bets either. Antonio would bet the turn a lot. Phil would call a lot. So I don't know why if Antonio had a really strong hand on the turn, he wouldn't bet it. I just feel like he would, almost always. This is part of what I think so, emboldens Phil to make this play on the river. Is he's like, what hands does Antonio have that are super strong? Like, King Jack's, like, the top of his range here. You know, maybe ace-king, I guess. But, like... Well, it feels it feels like based on this, even even though we're a little bit capped, Antonio is still like kind of lower in his distribution due to not having any blockers to anything yeah. meaningful. And if we're going to choose a way to fold some kings, even though King Deuce is effectively the same thing as King Eight on this board, we just choose to. I mean, maybe we, if we want to, we can reverse it and fold King Eight and call with King Deuce, but there's no reason to do that. No, so no, who I, cares? I agree. You know, there's there's another option we haven't discussed at all, and I don't want to make this Which podcast is, last forever, but. Well, we Shoving. do block full houses pretty strongly here. Now, I don't... I mean, Phil's made it 71, and he's got, like... He's put in half his stack right now. So it seems really optimistic to shove yep. as a bluff and get, and get a better hand to fold. Like, Phil and it's a, a bad story. It's a really bad story. But when we three-bet the river after Phil goes to this amount, it suddenly is pretty believable, right? Yeah. But will Phil fold the straight? Because if Phil won't fold the straight, we shouldn't do it. That I don't know. I mean, he might just be, like, tired of getting pushed around by Antonio and be like, you know what? Fuck it. I call. You know, what, like, what if Phil has king eight? I mean, then we're just chopping, I guess, so it's fine. Uh, yeah. The fact that we could move in and maybe get him off some chops would be cool, but Phil prob- might just decide, say the same thing, like, fuck it, I call. Like, you're yeah. Antonio, you're weird. I've got a good hand. I'm calling. Yeah, yeah I, so, think, I think this is a fold Yeah, I think for so Antonio. Even, and uh, that's what Antonio does, and... It's well pulled off by Phil. Like we said, weird story, but he's capable of, of having it with a weird story. We know that based on his story, history with Phil. And, uh, you know, good combo to do it with. Really good yeah. combo to do it with. It, so, actually, Phil did something we liked. It's pretty you know? unlucky for Antonio that, like, he rivers such a strong hand and Phil decides to suddenly make this weird check race play kind of out of nowhere. Uh, they hadn't done it in the first 90 minutes on this hand, where Antonio actually has, yeah. like, a tough decision and would have won a monster pot and would have, like you said, likely won this, this event. Instead, Phil wins this pot, bluffs Antonio like two or three more times in big spots. Antonio just keeps thinking, Phil, assumes Phil has it every time, you know, and, uh, and then gets called in a spot when Phil does have it finally and wins. And Antonio instantly re-challenges him because the way the format works is whoever wins has to play a 200K buy-in match the next time. They basically just keep the money. And if the person who lost gets to re-challenge, if they don't want to, then there's 30 days for anyone else in the world to challenge that guy to the 200K match. And the person who wins, if they have, you have to win three times in a row to keep, to be able to walk away. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. And so they're going to yeah, play again, is. is the point. All right, well, that'll be exciting. I think so. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm going to be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.